Welcome to Souls Harbor's weekly podcast. We believe that God has called us to lead people into a relationship with Jesus Christ, help them grow to be like Jesus, and involve them in reaching lost people. Listen now to this week's message. Hey everybody, glad to have you with us tonight. I see we've got several on our feed. I think we're up to, I don't know, I'm looking for my count here. Four, five, six, seven. Welcome. Glad to have you tonight. Hey, we're going to jump in here in just a moment into our Bible study. Uh, we're actually finishing up our series on why we need the Bible. And tonight we're going to jump into the topic of why we need the Bible and how it impacts the marketplace. So we'll get there in just a minute. And let me just give you a heads up on next week. Uh, we're going to jump into a brand new series, run five or six weeks, something like that. Uh, and it's going to be Christ in Revelation. So we're going to spend a few weeks talking about that. So I'm pretty excited about that. And it's uh, I'm excited to, to teach tonight and, and go over uh, the end of this series as well. So if you're out there tonight, give us a thumbs up. Give us a comment. Let us know that you're here with us. I'm trying to watch our feed just a little bit. I see we've got Cheryl and Janet and Pastor with us, Ruthie. I think I saw John uh, back there. Hi, John and Scotty and a few others. So it's good to have you guys all. I think I saw Pat and Mac out there as well. Welcome. And uh, we're going to jump right into this. Before we do, let's pray and uh, we'll get started. Pray with me if you would. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for being a great God and walking with us, just helping us to serve you. And I pray tonight as we jump into this Bible study that your Holy Spirit would guide our thoughts, our words, and Lord, help us to go beyond just a head knowledge, but truly a heart knowledge, a life knowledge of the principles and the truths of the Word of God. We ask you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, let's jump right in tonight. Let me get this thing off um, going. And we are going to start with a little review like we've done the past few weeks. Why do we need the Bible? Well, there's several reasons. The Bible speaks with authority, and that's God's authority. We talked about that week one for a little bit. Why do we need the Bible? The Bible provides our, our culture, our world, a moral foundation. Uh, that was week two. Why do we need the Bible? The Bible brings blessings and success. Uh, that was week three. The Bible also makes families strong, stronger and healthier. And then we talked about the Bible speaks to society. And then last week we dove into the idea that we need the Bible because the Bible guides culture. And um, just to put it out there, kind of keeps us from going off the rails sometimes. Well, tonight we're going to jump into this last part. Why do we need the Bible? We need the Bible because it impacts the marketplace. And tonight when I say marketplace, I mean it impacts our place of employment. It impacts us as business owners. It impacts us as employees, employers, jobs, all of those things. So that's where we're going to go tonight. And we're going to look a little bit at why we need the Bible. And a great place to start this is just to start with purpose and, and ask this question. What is the purpose of work and business? What why do we even have work or why do we have businesses? Um, you know, the easy answer, and I think the obvious answer, and probably the answer most of us would give goes something like this. I go to work to make a paycheck, to pay my rent, to pay my mortgage, to buy food, to put gas on my car, to meet those daily needs. And okay, that's fair. That's not all there. That, that, that's not wrong. But let's look a little deeper into it and let's put God's word into the mix. Why does the Bible teach us that people, we, humanity, were, were made to be people that work, that, um, that, that create, that have business? And, and let's dive into this tonight. So first of all, why do we need the Bible? The Bible speaks to the marketplace. It guides the marketplace. 
But what's the purpose of work and business? Well, the first purpose I would bring up tonight is this. It's to steward God's creation. And, and when I talk about this, we go all the way back to the beginning, all the way back to Genesis um, chapter 1 and chapter 2. And just look at this with me tonight. In, in verse 28 of chapter 1, this is what's written. And God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over every liver, every living thing. Subdue it and have dominion over it. That is work. That, I mean, that's just it, it just is. That's, that's work. So from the very beginning, God was giving direction to humanity that you need to work. You need to be involved in something. But I want you to notice the purpose for the work. It was to take care of and to steward God's creation. He goes on verse in verse 31 and says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Uh, let's go to one more verse, and it's in chapter uh, 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to do what? To work it and to keep it. And here's what I want you to see tonight. Why do we have business? Why do we have the marketplace? Why do we work? Well, from the very beginning, it was it was meant to be done in a way that would steward God's creation. We're to work it, we're to keep it. But I, I also want you to know this. What I'm reading to you tonight comes from chapter 1 and chapter 2. I, I don't know how familiar with Genesis you are and with those first three chapters of the Bible, but I want you to note something. This is actually taking place before the fall. This is before the serpent has stepped in. This is before Eve has ate of the, the forbidden fruit and given it to Adam. This this is before the fall. So so in matter of fact, if you if you look back at that previous verse, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Work was something that God had directed prior to looking out and saying, Hey, this is very good. So I want you to see this tonight. Work and employment and business and the marketplace is not a bad thing, not an evil thing. It, it was actually a part of the original creation. Now I want to focus in for a minute on those two words that I just had up there, work and, and the idea of keeping something. And they have some deeper meaning that as you dig into Scripture, you, you begin to uh, get a feel for the Hebrew word. And, and, and I'm going to just give you a general overview of this. The idea of work, the work that gets translated or interpreted in our modern English Bibles as work, is the idea of purposeful existence or overseeing something, overseeing God's creation. And it gets used throughout the Old Testament, throughout the Bible, in the context of tilling the soil. I mean, that's something we would obviously kind of think of as, as work. Uh, manual labor, but it also gets used in another sense. It gets used in the sense of service to another person. So when God says we're to work, not only are we to work in caring for his creation physically, manual labor, but also when we serve other people, that also is work in caring for his creation. And it even actually sometimes gets uh, put in the context of worship. So, so work is meant to be not something that, oh, i got to get up and go to a job today. But work is something that God put in the very nature and the very core of each and every one of us. You know, one of the things I've, I've seen many times over the years, um, well, maybe not many times, but a handful of times, one of the hardest things for a person to do and one of the hardest things to get over is when we hit a place in our life where, we don't have the opportunity to work, or we don't have the ability or the capacity to work. Uh, I've watched this in men especially because I think our, our very 
Um, our, the, our very being is just so caught up in our employment and what we do for a living is part of who we are that if a man loses that capacity or that ability, they find themselves struggling with depression or struggling with many other, other issues in life because God has so much made us that way to work with a purpose. Uh, the second part of that is to keep or to work and to work, or to keep. And the idea of keeping is to tend or to protect. So we're to steward. Why, why do we have work? What's the purpose of work? Well, the first purpose, from, literally from the very beginning, is to steward and care for God's creation. Now, let me ask you a question. And I hope, I, I hope in the short time that we have tonight, you can think this through. Um, we've got a number of people on the feed tonight, which is awesome. And uh, with, knowing that, we've got people that are coming from all different backgrounds, all different jobs, all different careers, uh, some of you may work uh, in manufacturing. Some of you may own your own business. Some may you work for, may work for a small business. Some may, of you may be involved in retail. Um, some of you may be involved in just various different ways and types and, and methods of employment. How does this idea of stewardship, stewardship being the idea of being a protector or a caregiver or, or, or a keeper of God's creation, how does that apply to your job? Okay, how, how does how does serving others, serving God's creation, apply to your job? And, you, you know, maybe you've never thought about your job in that sense. Maybe you've always thought about it in the idea or the sense of, hey, it makes me a paycheck, makes me a living. And, oh, okay, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But how is what you do and the way you do it, is there some way that it's stewarding God's creation, as I've talked about tonight? I, I really hope you'll take a few minutes tonight as, as we work through this and you'll Think about that, how that could be the case. What is the purpose of work? Let's look at another piece of this. And this may surprise you, okay? Another purpose of work, another purpose of business is to bring productivity, peace, and prosperity to fallen society. You say, Pastor Bray, I don't know that I get that. I'm not sure how I, I, I see how you're getting there. Well, let's go back to the book of Jeremiah. We're going to go back to the Old Testament, to one of the Old Testament prophets. Jeremiah prophesied at a time when Judah was was slowly being carried uh, moment by moment, piece by piece, uh, trip by trip into into slavery. They were being carried into captivity by the Babylonians because of their breaking of the covenant, okay? And there's this moment where Jeremiah stands up, and there's a lot of places in Jeremiah where it's just depressing and sad and, and horrible and horrendous, but there's this place in chapter 29 where Jeremiah gives some, in, uh, some direction uh, to those that are, are either being carried captive or about to be carried captive. And I want you to look at this with me tonight. He says in verse 4 of chapter 29, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Look what he tells them. These are people being carried away as slaves. He says, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. He goes on then and he says this, and this is what I really want you to see tonight. These people who are, are going into exile, being carried into a whole different culture, a pagan culture, a culture that was just as far from, from the, the, the righteous culture of, of God's people as you could possibly be. He says this, he says, But seek the welfare of the city of Babylon, where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Why do we have work? What's the purpose of work for the Christian? Well, absolutely, to steward God's creation, but also it's to bring blessing and 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 benefit to a secular, a, a non 
Christian society. You say, Pastor Bray, okay, that's great. I see that. I see where you're getting that in Jeremiah and the children of Israel who were going into exile. But how does that apply to me? Well, let's jump to the book of Hebrews, New Testament. And we get the story of Abraham and, and the forefathers, those that followed right after Abraham and the forefathers of the faith, of faith. And it says this, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as his inheritance. Okay, we kind of know that story. And he went out not knowing where he was going, for he was looking forward to the city whose designer and builder is God. And we probably, most of you familiar with that as well. And then it says this in verse 13, Abraham and all of those that were, you know, the kind of the, the forefathers of faith, these died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them from afar. And here's where it gets interesting. And having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Now, here's where this goes tonight. Let me, let me, let me just, j- just connect this. Not only were they exiles on the earth because their home is heaven, but, but listen to me, Christian. We are too. We're living in this world. We're a part of this world, but this world is not our home. Okay, we are destined for an eternal home with God, with Jesus. We are, in many ways, as Abraham declared himself, we too are foreigners or exiles in the world that we live. And just as God said to the children of Israel, the children of Judah going into Babylon, listen, when you get there, work well, work hard, and cause the the, the nation, the city that you're going to live in, to prosper. And I believe God says that to us. We, as the people of God, are also to work hard and work well and own businesses and run businesses and have families and live in this world, even though we're exiles, because we will bring prosperity to the foreign world that we find ourselves living in. And in their prosperity, we also find our prosperity. Why do we need the Bible? Because the Bible speaks to the marketplace. And and the place to start is, what is the purpose of work and business? Well, it's to steward God's creation, but it's also to bring prosperity, and not just prosperity to us, but prosperity to the entire world. We are to seek the welfare of the city where we've been sent, where we're living in exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf for its welfare, and there we will find our welfare as well. Let me ask you again, how does that apply to your business or your job? Whatever it is you do for a living, whatever it is you... Um, due to to make a paycheck, whatever business you may own or you may run, think about in what way does it prosper society? N- now listen, it may be as something as mundane as putting siding on a house or as mundane as um, selling heating and air conditioning equipment. That's what my, my son does. And you think that doesn't really seem to apply very much, that that brings prosperity. Yeah, until you are the one living in a house without siding where the water seeps in, or you're the one living in a world where there is no air conditioning or no, or no heat in the winter. I, I mean, all of those things provide productivity to society, and we have a part in that. Why? What is the purpose of work? How about this one? Okay. Do you know you work not to make a paycheck so you can buy a bigger house, a bigger boat, or a bigger car? Now, now hear me on this, okay? God is not opposed, and I'm not opposed, to you having a bigger boat, a bigger house, and or a bigger car, or nicer clothes, or whatever, okay? But the purpose for the blessings of God upon your life is not just for those 
things. It's to provide the resources for bringing God's kingdom into this world. This is the third purpose of work and business and employment. And I, I want you to see this, okay? 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8 has a, a really interesting take on this. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. We see that principle. What you sow, you will reap. Sow generosity, you'll reap generosity, okay? Verse 8, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency. Do you understand what that's saying? Having all sufficiency, all this sufficient of all the things that you need. In all things at all times, it says, you may abound in every good work. Now, it's easy to read that and skip over it and not think of it in the terms of what I'm thinking about tonight. But see, you work a job and God blesses you. God gives you raises. God gives you promotion. God allows you to find favor with those that you work diligently for. God opens up opportunities and doors that you don't, sometimes you look back and say, how did that opportunity even fall into my plate? It's not just to put it on, on our own selfish needs or our own desires. Although again, God's not opposed to, to us being blessed in those ways, but it's to give us the resources to bring the kingdom of God into this world. It's to allow you to write that check to fund a missionary. It's it's allow to allow you to have a part of our extravagant offering to do something that will allow us to more effectively reach the lost people lost people as a church. It's to allow you to write a check to help somebody who's struggling with poverty. It's it's all the many doors and opportunities God opens up to let you be generous. And we'll we'll get even further into that here in just a little bit. Those are just a few reasons why we work, why we have business. Now, let's go a little bit different direction with this tonight. Let's talk about it in this way. What does the Bible teach us and tell us about the responsibility of those of us that are in business and those of us that work? And let's go back to a scripture that we had a little bit ago. Uh, let's go back to the stewardship idea. We're to steward God's creation. And I just want you to think this through with me for a moment, okay? Because here's a place where sometimes... Our direction as Christians and our direction as um, people of politics go different directions because traditionally, whether it's accurate or not, those that are conservative are considered people that don't really care about the environment. They're not big on the environment. They're not worried about the environment. And those that are more liberal are always very concerned about the environment. Now, we could get into discussions of whether that's accurate or not. I personally think many times it's not, but let's look at what God's word says. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work and to keep it, to steward it, to protect it. So let me just toss this out to you, uh, this out to you, okay? We as workers, employers, owners, business people, whatever we may be, we have a responsibility to care for the environment, okay? Now, you may say, Pastor Barry, you tell me I ought to be all about global warming or I ought to be all about energy and going natural and recycling. Well, you've got to make the decision what's real and what's not. You've got to make the decision what's truly an issue and what's a political method of dividing people. And I would say many of the things that are thrown up as catastrophes in the making um, oftentimes are more a political ploy than a, a real I issue. But yet there are some things we do that can destroy the environment. And there's a balance there. 
But we as Christians who many of you, and maybe not all of you, but many of you may be conservative Christians, we can't just take the attitude that, you know, I don't really need to care about the environment because God's going to renovate this whole earth anyway. Well, that's true. He is going to renovate it someday. But until that time, we are still called to be stewards of his creation. And I think it's important that that's it's one of those places we have to be careful that we're Christians first, followers of the word of God first, and conservatives or Republicans or Democrats or, or liberals second. We're Christians first. And we do have a responsibility to keep this creation that God made. Let's talk about responsibility. What is the responsibility of a business owner or a worker? How about this, to be generous? And maybe that's foreign to you. Maybe that's not something you've ever really considered before. But I, I want you to look at, at this, this passage in Proverbs 21. The desire of the sluggard kills him, or the desire of the lazy person kills them, for their hands refuse to labor. Okay, we, we kind of all get that. All day long he craves and craves, but the righteous gives and does, does not hold back. Now, now, I want you to think this through with me for a minute, okay? Because we, we oftentimes... We just don't think in these terms. Why is it that the righteous person, the hardworking person, gives and does not hold back? Why is it that the sluggard who refuses to labor doesn't give and always holds back? Now, our natural response, our natural inclination is, well, it's because uh, the generous person has a lot to give and the sluggard doesn't have much. And that's true. But do you see the connection? God is actually connecting uh, laziness with being stingy. If you are lazy and the reason you have nothing is because you're unwilling to get up and go and work for something, and the reason that you have nothing to be generous with is because you're unwilling to work, then you begin to see the connection there, okay? As a worker, as a business owner, we have a responsibility to be generous, we have a responsibility to work hard so we can be generous, so we can be somebody that can step up and help those who truly have need. And listen to me, there really are people out there that have need. They have legitimate need. They have real need. And what a great blessing and what a great testimony. We talked about salt and light last week. What a great opportunity for Christians and the church to step up and say, listen, out of my abundance, out of what God has blessed me with, out of what I've worked hard for, let me allow let me let me allow me to give you and to help you with a hand up in this moment. What is the responsibility of the worker, responsibility of the owner? It's it's to steward, but it's also to be generous tonight. Proverbs 11 puts it this way. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. And, and that's contrary to, to our natural thinking. The more we give away, we think the less we have. But the reality is the more freely we give, the richer we grow many times. And, and, and there are many in the political spectrum out there that are saying, uh, uh, that, that are saying, listen, um, the rich get richer because they cheat and they steal and they lie and they take. And God's word says you give freely and you grow richer. It's the exact opposite. And he goes on and he says, another withholds what he should give and only suffers for want. Again, just the opposite of what you would expect, but yet the reality is there. The principle is there. And this is why we need the Bible. Why do we need the Bible? Because the Bible sheds light on the marketplace that our common sense wisdom, our political systems, just don't. Let's look at a third area tonight, okay? And this is going to be the last area we want to delve into tonight. Um, let's look at the idea of ethics. 
let's just look at this idea of what are the ethics of business and work. Now, listen, there are entire courses, there are entire philosophies, there are entire uh, minors in college that can be that are built around this question of the of ethics and, and business and work. Um, so we can't go super deep into it tonight, obviously. But there are a few things that we can just we can hit quickly tonight. How about this? And this is just common sense, you would think, but yet it isn't so often. Um, the ethics of business and work is this: be honest. And, and I'm just going to tie it to one verse, one chapter in Proverbs. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. In other words, don't cheat the people you, you work for, right? Be there on time. Put in your hours. Don't punch out and then, and, 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 or don't not punch out and quit working. Um, don't steal. Don't take that box of paper clips, right? Don't cheat the people you work for. And let me flip that on its head and say, don't cheat the people that work for you. Give them an honest wage. Uh, be generous to them. Make sure that you treat them fairly. Make sure you practice the golden rule and treat them the way you would want to be treated. Um, a false balance is an abomination to the Lord. In other words, in those days, that you, you, it was hard to get an even weight and be able to truly weigh things out, so you paid the right amount. And, and there were those that could play the game and they could adjust the scales and they could make a false balance. Uh, uh, that that's what that's what the the author of Proverbs is saying. Don't do. Be honest. Be honest with those people that you work for. Honest for those with those people you work that work for you. But also be honest in those people that you serve. Be honest with those people that you serve. Because here's the thing: if we're honest, in the long run, word gets around. And if we're dishonest, in the long run, we may make a little bit more money. But again. Word gets around. And don't think in this day of social media and, and the social world we live in, it's not even more true than it's ever been before. Let's talk about ethics. How about this justice or fairness? This is a big deal. And I want to just hit a couple of passages on this tonight. Whoever oppresses the poor to increase his own wealth or gives to the rich will only come to poverty. Don't oppress the poor. Don't oppress the person that works for you. But at the same time, the, the author of Proverbs turns around and says, don't schmooze, don't bribe, don't cheat um, by, by giving to the, the, the rich in order to um, make yourself look better or give yourself opportunity. Let your yes be yes, your no be no, and treat all men with respect. Ethics, business ethics today. James talks about this a little bit in chapter 5. He says, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvester have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. James hits the wealthy that are cheating hard. And, and, and I want to make a point here. He, he says, you've lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. I don't know that God necessarily has an issue with luxury. Um, you can discuss and talk about how much luxury is too much luxury and where luxury becomes a matter of self-indulgence. That's fine. But James and God's bigger issue is with the fact that they got where they got by cheating and not paying the wages of the laborer. Now I want to talk, that leads me into this tonight, and, and I've got just two, three, four, five minutes here, and I want to bring this to a close. I want to talk just briefly about 
three topics, three three words that we hear a lot being bannered around right now in this political climate that we're in: capitalism, socialism, and communism. And, and let me just—I I don't have a lot of time to get into this tonight, but I want to talk about it briefly. Capital, capitalism is the, the in general the idea that America works under, and it's the idea that a man goes out and works for a wage, or a business owner goes out and runs a business, starts a business, and gets income. And capitalism is the idea that that is income is his to do with as he chooses. He can be generous with it. He cannot be generous with it. He can be good with it. He cannot be good with it. He can invest it back in the business. He can go out and buy himself 16 boats or 25 big screen TVs, but that money that he made is his. And the more money he makes, it's still his. That's the idea of capitalism. It's built around the idea of freedom and liberty and personal ownership of property. And you have control of your own wealth and your own opportunities. And that's the idea of capitalism. Is there abuse in capitalism? Sometimes there can be. You will always have the owners that want to cheat and they want to lie and they want to steal and they want to destroy the environment and all those things. But let me suggest to you the idea of the free market is that those that do those things, that do cheat, they have a tendency to eventually be found out and eventually fall and fail. And yes, they may take some down with them, but ultimately what you sow, you will reap. That's the idea of capitalism. That's what's made America great. And then we've got the idea that is now being uh, bandied about of socialism. And we've got a lot of people pushing for socialism. So let me just see if I can lay out there for you and uh, what socialism is. Socialism is another system completely contrary to capitalism, as is communism. Uh, and it's the idea that you can own some property, you can own some things, but most of your wealth and most of the money you make uh, is going to be owned by the community. We all own a certain amount of wealth together communally. And there is going to be somebody, usually the government, who is going to step in and they are going to redistribute that wealth, that money, that income that you make so that everybody has a level playing field, more or less, and everybody has an has access to at least a minimum amount of wealth. And they start out with it being the idea of, hey, let's tax the wealthy, the extremely wealthy, the 2%, and let's make sure that that money gets distributed down to the poor or those who have need. And it sounds really good, and there's a place for that, okay? I'll talk about that in a moment, but here's a couple things to keep in mind. The rich that are going to be taxed, that amount constantly becomes less. And the poor that are going to be covered is constantly getting higher. So you have the, the, the wealthy that are being taxed hard and the poor that are being uh, having government handouts or finances redistributed to them. That amount gets greater all the time. That's the first thing to, 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 to realize because you may think, well, that's okay. I'm not in that 2%. They're never going to hit me. It's not going to be a problem in time they will hit you as well. The other piece of this to keep in mind is, just think about this, it's the government that's determining how wealthy is too wealthy. It's the government that's deciding who should get the handouts. And every time that money passes through our government, do you know who gets a cut? Do you know who gets a piece? Do you know who it is who's usually in that, that wealthy category that never claims themselves as wealthy that makes those decisions? It's those politicians sitting in those offices. Now, listen, I, I'm, I'm not going to be too hard on them. Maybe not as hard as I should be. But the reality of, is the, the heart of man is evil. And I don't care who you put in that position, who you put in that place. The temptation to abuse the power is always going to be great. 
So the question we have to ask ourselves is, are we going to be about capitalism, about freedom, about liberty, even though we may not be in the top 2%, or are we going to be, are we more comfortable with socialism where we can own some things and we can do better some others, but the government is going to determine who gets what through taxes? I know I struggle a lot with socialism. And let me just hit communism real quick. Communism, um, it, it, it comes out of writings of Karl Marx uh, and, and much of his writings and his theory, his ideas, the way, that, the way they progressed was you move from capitalism into socialism and socialism eventually becomes communism. And communism is the idea that the government controls everything. Uh, we own everything as a community. And the idea is this, okay? Uh, this is, I, I believe this is Mark's actual words. Um, from everybody according to their ability, in other words, according to the ability you have, you give, okay? To everybody according to their need. And basically what happens in communism is there is a government, often most of the time a totalitarian government, that says, okay, here's what everybody should have. Here's the, the, the very base minimum that everybody should have. Let's make sure everybody gets that. And what it ends up doing is making everybody equal, everybody equally poor, and everybody equally lacking. And it's, it's a system that has just not ever worked. Now, let me tie this to Scripture here this evening, just a couple places. Some people will tell you that the Bible promotes communism or socialism. And I'm going to read to you Acts 2, 44 and 45, the early church. This is what it says. And this sounds very much like the communism that I just described. But let me give you a couple thoughts. All who believed... All who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. As any had need. Sounds like communism, and, and, and I get that. But understand this. This wasn't an entire society. This was a group of people that were choosing to do it. Also understand this, that it was the Holy Spirit himself through the apostles that were guiding and directing where those funds went. Uh, I don't think the leaders of China or the leaders of Russia or even the leaders and the politicians of America can be raised to the level of the apostles. I don't have the, near the confidence uh, in even President Trump, President Obama, certainly not Mr. Putin in Russia or whoever is the head of China. I don't have near the confidence in them I would have had in Peter, James, or John. Okay? Fair? I, I, I think it is. So those that want to push this as, hey, this is the way the world ought to be, I think they need to think that through. Another piece of that is realize that after this happened, after this is the way the church was handled in the very early days, um, for the whole remainder of the New Testament, what is Paul doing? Paul is constantly going to other churches around the Mediterranean saying, I need funds because the church in Jerusalem is starving. Uh, they're without food. They're without. They're, they're suffering. And Paul spent the rest of his time ministry raising funds to help compensate for what this style of government did. It's something to think about. Let me give you a couple of counter scriptures here um, when it comes to capitalism versus socialism. Matthew 20. Um, Jesus tells this parable of the laborers. The laborers, the first ones had been hired early in the morning at a wage. The second ones hired at midday at a wage. And the third ones had been hired an hour before the end of the day at a certain wage. And the ones that were hired early were complaining and grumbling because it's not fair. It's not fair, they said, that we get paid the same amount as those that worked only an hour. And this is the principle I want you to see. On receiving it, Jesus tells this, this parable, On receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last work last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to, to one of them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. And here's the principle. 
Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Am I not allowed another principle to do what I choose with what belongs to me? And here's what I would say, and I, I don't have time to go into wages and minimum wages and all those things tonight, but here's where we're at in America. If you don't like the wage you're earning, you don't have to work there. You've got the freedom to go and find a job somewhere else. And when unemployment was at 3%, there was a constant raising of the wage. And here's the principle, and I just leave you with this. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? If you agreed to work for a wage, then work for the wage and don't complain about the wage you work for. If you don't like the wage, you have the freedom to go out and start your own business or the freedom to go work for somebody else. To me, that seems common sense, seems fair. Um, how about this, verse 15, am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? It seems to me that we all ought to have that level of liberty and that level of freedom. Let me end with this, the idea of diligence. Here's the ethic. The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. All day long he craves and craves, but the righteous gives and does not hold back. Hey, I'm going to post out there if you're interested. I, I just uh, have a link to this. Let me post it. It's a link to... Uh, this is a Dave Ramsey link on YouTube that talks about capitalism, sanctified capitalism, which I don't have time to go into tonight. You all can follow it if you want to. Hopefully that link works. It's interesting. It's about eight minutes long. If you're not interested, that's fine as well. Hey, glad you guys joined us on our feed tonight. Uh, I have not been able to follow the comments. I will go back and look at them tonight uh, after we get done here. Join us next week. I'm really excited to get into this one, Christ in the Revelation. If you want to read ahead and, and have an idea where we're, going, where we're going next week, you can basically just read chapter one of Revelation. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to getting into that series. Hey, I hope to see you guys on Sunday. God bless. Have a great week. And again, thank you so much for joining tonight. Love you guys. Appreciate you. Praying for you regularly. Um, why do we need the Bible? Because it makes a difference in the marketplace. Let it make a difference in your life and let you make a difference in this world out there. God bless. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you're looking for a church home or are interested in what God is doing through Souls Harbor, visit us at www.soulsharborag.com. If you have an encouraging story of what God has done in your life through these podcasts, please share it with us at sharbor at indy.rr.com.